Do you struggle with what it means to be successful in your retirement? Trust us, you're not alone. Welcome to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Here, you'll go in-depth with Guidance Point Advisors Investment Consultants to hear stories about how retirees in Maine are navigating a successful retirement. Get insight into the inevitable challenges of aging and define what a successful retirement looks like. Welcome, everyone, to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. My name is Ben Smith. I am joined by my two uh, colleagues, Curtis Wister and Abby Duty. The raised mustard and holy donut to my brother's lobster. How are you guys doing today? <laughs> doing Good. Well. How are you? <laughs> doing well. Do well. We um, keep rolling on these podcasts here. Have another really great show for for you today. And one of the things that we've been talking about more in in kind of hearing a little bit more from our clients is that really as we change from one stage of our life to another. You know, one thing we observe is really this resistance and struggle of losing our identity from a previous stage of life. So, you know, sometimes all of our clients, they might have been a captain of industry. Maybe they're a star athlete, but perhaps they're a parent to a child or children that are now independent. So there's lots of identity struggles that we've also heard from from women over 50. And that's something that that's made them feel like uh, being a woman has been some of the, the hardest parts to feel like they've lost. Right. And, and that might be their beauty. It might be vocation, motherhood, being a spouse, lots of different things of our lives that we identify with and that changes in our life. So really within the show, we want to have a guest on that has really tackled their own visibility and done it really head on and really reinvented themselves with a sense of optimism and hope in the face of this feeling. So our next guest, she has survived multiple crises in her life. Um, and one notable, uh, while living in Honolulu with her first husband and two biological daughters, she was suddenly widowed in her early 40s after her husband suffered a massive heart attack while traveling on business. So in 1990, she married real estate auction pioneer Sheldon F. Good, and together they face a challenge of, of creating a large blended family. So she has also survived cancer and family suicide. But today, she's the matriarch of a blended family, and I like to describe her, and I know others do too, as a hip, sophisticated grandmother to 25 grands and also redefining what it means to live life to the fullest as she's visited over 67 countries and regularly visits her children and grandchildren in seven different U.S. cities. So I'd like to welcome at this time to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast, Susan Honeygood. Susan, thank you for being on the show. Welcome. Well, I'm excited to be with you, especially since I had several summers of my growing up I, I spent in Maine. I love that. We have a camaraderie. Well, well, tell us about that, because I always like to dig in on any of our shows in terms of backgrounds of story, but love to hear a little about that connection to Maine, about about those summer experiences. Well, my parents sent me away to camp in the summer, and they decided that because I grew up in a very small little town that I nicknamed Kankakee by the sea, but it really wasn't, was in a big (laughs) cornfield. They wanted to expose me to other facets of life. So they sent me to camp in Maine and it was in Freiburg, Maine. Mm -hmm. And it was a wonderful experience in my life because I've met uh, girls my age, older and younger also, and experienced living with maybe a hundred other girls for eight weeks. And actually, I, I spent years going to this camp. I grew from my experience and I learned. And actually, um, they had a, a 40th reunion. And I took my husband, who I call my ultimate concierge, Sheldon Good, and we went back to Maine. And I saw my friends. So I love Maine. It's, you live in a beautiful spot in the world. And and I got to say, Susan, too, is um, Freiburg, man, you, you know, when you get to Freiburg, because you see the mountains there and it is so pretty, right? Is you really feel like it's just another, it's a different corner of Maine, right? And eat, there's lots of different corners. And that's just one that's very special. It just... It's really, um, it really is breathtaking kind of being there. So I, I can imagine just being in that, uh, in that camp for eight weeks with friends, experiencing the outdoors and friendship and growth was, was, must've been a great experience. And fried clams. 
And my yep. first lobster, Maine lobster <laughs> in Portland. Well, and and you get you get pretty spoiled when you go to Maine and you have a Maine lobster because it's not like when you go other places and they give you Maine lobster because it's just fresh as could be. I know. Well, so Susan, I'd love to hear, I know I gave you a little bit of lead in there in terms of her introduction. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background and story in addition to the, to the main camp piece, because, you know, I, I think with well, all of us is, well, why, why is Susan the guest today? And, or why are we talking to, and I, I think that's one of the, the big things about your arc here, about your life and really ultimately going towards the path of creating your, your community and your website on honeygood.com. Well, I grew up in a small town that I told you I nicknamed Kankakee by the sea. And actually, I was in a minority. And it, okay. was, it wasn't that easy because I came from one of the founding families of this town. So I was able financially to have things that most of my friends didn't have because it was a blue-collar town, but I was mm -hmm. not a spoiled child. And also, the town was primarily Catholic, and I was a little Jewish girl. So, you know, I, I had to survive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't love growing up there. I always felt a little set apart. And that's why I love going to camp in Maine so much. Mm -hmm. But getting back to it, it really wasn't until maybe 20-some years later after I left at 18 to go to college, that one day it dawned on me that I loved Kankakee by the Sea so much <laughs> because I learned what it felt like to have empathy for others and compassion for others. And I also acquired a great deal of resilience. And all three of these things have boded me well as a mom, a friend, a wife, owning my own company. So I owe a lot to Kankakee by the Sea. And now, actually, I go back every summer, one time, and I meet friends for lunch. That's awesome. And Great. I take my husband with me. So Again, the concierge. Yeah, my concierge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Susan, I'd love to, you know, again, I, I know the really the, the point being is I, I want to hear a little bit about uh, honeygood.com. So in terms of you and, and kind of what you've been doing here with, with this website, you know, there's, there's a lot of what, why I kind of gravitated to you, why our team did was you, you've really done this. You've really, I think, identified a need of women about uh, finding identity and really establishing who you are and, and, and it's okay to evolve and it's okay to change. It's okay to be more of yourself, right? Which is, I think, what our, our really our show and our podcast is about. So I know with your community at honeygood.com, you've really been doing that. Can you talk a little bit about that genesis or eureka moment of, of really helping women navigating aging and how that's evolved over time for you? Well, let me start out by telling you how it happened. Please. And it'll yeah. be, I won't take that long. I was bored. And I met a woman and, and I started talking to her. It was at a tea. We had never seen each other before. And she said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, to tell you the truth, I'm really bored. And I'm really looking for something to do. I'm always doing something, but I'm, I'm bored. Hmm. And um, she said, well, I can tell you what to do. And I said, you can tell me what to do. And she said, I can. She said, if you keep a journal for three months and you never miss a day writing, you will find your voice. And I said, but I've never written anything in my life except in a blue book in college. I'm not a writer. She said, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you, you'll find your voice. And I said, well, how do you know? She said, because I'm a writer. So I believe in serendipity. I believe like in fairies. So as I drove home, I turned on my French music in my car that my daughter gave me and kind of whistled a happy tune. And I got home and I said to my husband, I told him the story. And I said, you know, I now I know how to type. I have my Apple laptop and I, I, I want to try keeping a journal. So I did. And during this time, we traveled a lot. But I took my journal or my laptop with me. And for three months, I never missed a day writing. And I just would get up in the morning and just write something. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a plan for Honey Good either. At the end of the three months, a friend said to me, well, now that you've sent me your 9 million words, I think you should have a website. And I said, 
I don't know anything about the internet. Now, I didn't know anything about writing either. So I want women to listen to me because of this. You cannot let fear ever stand in your way because if you let fear stand in your way, you'll never start. Even when you invest money with people, Mm -hmm. you know, you do your work, you do your homework, your research, you talk to people and then you, you take a leap, you know, you don't ever let fear stand in your way. So I said, I don't know one thing about a website. She said, well, I'm going to a networking meeting and and I am going to see if there's someone there that can put you on the internet. And I met this guy, Matt, he came over to our house. And before you know it, I was on the internet. I didn't have a following. I, I just, I had nothing. I, I just started writing my stories. And little by little, because I was authentic, mm-hmm. I think, and I was very aspirational because I am aspirational, not inspirational, but I always aspire. And so I wrote in that, that's how I wrote in an aspirational way. And before you knew it, before I knew it, I started gathering women around me and it was a hobby. It was not a business. It turned into a business. And now seven years later, I look back and I say, I went into a business. I didn't know one thing about it. I would not advise it because it's been really hard. Technically, it's not like you own a little shop on a street and you know how to, to talk to people, etc. Everything's behind this computer. Mm-hmm. So it was very hard for me tech-wise. But uh, over the years, I think I have, as a woman, I have flourished because of it. I, I really have. And well, so that's how it all started. It was a hobby. And, and Susan, I love it because I think in terms of your writing, you know, one thing, you know, you just said about being aspirational is that, but it's aspiration tied with weakness. It's it's tied with a, a feeling of doubt. It's a tied with a feeling of anxiety. There's something that said, you know, I, I have struggled with this in the past, right? Is this is something that I, I've gone through, but here's how I got to the other side of it, right? And I, I think the vulnerabilities that we all have in our own, own lives, but you're even saying, hey, me and in, in terms of my identity, and who I am and what I've gone through is is something that, but here's the aspirational component, which I think we all need to hear, right? And that's what I got when I've gone through your website and really read a lot of your work over the last few months. That's what I've taken out of it is, is it's just a really great kind of combination back and forth. Because I think when you go either one way or the other, it's it's all my flaws and I'm, what was me? And I'm, I'm this, and this is bad. Or it's just, well, everything's hunky dory, which is kind of the social media stuff at times is everything's perfect. Everything's always great. Nothing's ever wrong. Right. Is, is having those two things together, I think was in my eyes, what I'm seeing is your magic combination there. Is that, would you agree? Well, I happen to be a very fortunate person to have a positive attitude. And I do think a little bit is in your genes Mm-hmm. your makeup. Mm-hmm. I just always see my glass half full, even when it's em- empty. And it, it's been empty. But for some reason, maybe we have, every everybody has the power within them to conquer whatever they have to conquer. Mm-hmm. And I don't say it lightly, because mm-hmm. it's scary at times. Like if you get really sick, or you lose your job, or you become widowed or divorced. It's really scary. But at that point, you have to make a choice. And that's, that's when it starts getting, I try and not teach women, but I just tell them my stories, how, you know, I'm like really scared, but I've got that positive attitude going. I then say to myself, okay, I've got choices. And now I'm going to start doing some inquiries and I'm going to try and figure out what to do with the, with the goal of landing on my feet. Well, and, and I like what you've said there, Susan, about, you know, a couple of things. One is from a life perspective, you know, it, it is having that mindset of trying to get to the other side. And also from a business perspective, when you say, hey, I'm running my website, honeygood.com, you know, I'm not going, I don't know anything about the website. I don't know anything about tech this. I don't know anything about HTML code or any of that. But what you do know about is what the message you're trying to convey and that you can solve the rest of it. And so can everyone. That's that's what I want to make as a point is. That, it's is, not me. It's everyone can. Yes. You know? 
there, we can all look to the things in our life and the reason why we should not do things. And there's always a reason you can do that, but there's also the reason the other side, right? Yes. So that's what I wanted to get to you today. Uh, Susan is really around this line uh, of talking about empowering visibility in women over 50, right? Because I think we're, again, we sometimes may look at ourselves or we may, may see our, ourselves change over time. And we may look at our own visibility and say, well, I'm not what I'm used to. And because of reasons A, B, and C, that maybe I'm not worthy of, of love, or maybe I'm not worthy of attention, something along those lines. So that's what we wanted to get to in today's show. So really what we're tackling is the idea of a concept of identity loss, right? And on the surface, when you read, obviously, the, the biography we read, it's, it's tough to see that um, in terms of all the stuff you've done in your life, you, re you really had any trouble coming to grips with who you are a woman at any age. And I know what you just said was a little kind of that, too. But can you talk about how you've ident uh, struggled with your own identity over time and how well, often do you see this with other women? Well, I was very fortunate that my mother, who's still living, she did everything. She tried. And so she was a great model, role model for me. She didn't, she didn't own a company. That's about the only thing. But she tried and did everything. And my dad always took the high road. That's really hard to do, especially for women. Mm -hmm. But you know it works. So this is how I feel. I think after you are 50 years old, you can be a shy woman and very introspective. Or you can be a woman that's just out there. But one thing I think every woman should realize after she is 50, 60, whatever, over her lifetime, she has, whether she realizes it or not, she's earned her PhD in life. Yeah. So somewhere in here, she's really interesting, okay? And, you know, you have to be, an, especially if you are interesting, you are interested. And I think that... And I, we talked about this a little bit. If you take a woman, she now has gray hair. She's not as attractive as she was in her 40s, 30s, 20s. But if she's interesting and curious and she realizes she is, even if she's a quiet soul, then when she walks into a room, she has power. She has mental power. And she's going to walk taller and she's going to smile broader and her eyes are going to twinkle. And there can be a woman that is far more beautiful than she is, and she's going to attract people to her. So I believe that 80% of every woman's beauty, even young women, is inside. It's your inner beauty. And 20% is your outer beauty. And because the magazines and the newspapers and everything, it's always young, 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 young. No wonder women feel this way. Yeah. Because they forget to mention what's really up here. That's real beauty. Because you become interesting. Mm -hmm. You see? So I think if women would just think about this a little bit. And yes, keep themselves up and, you know, take care of themselves. But realize they have far more up here than the 20-year-old or the 30-year-old or the 40-year-old, right? Right. Absolutely. And Susan, I'll, I'll add to that too is, you know, in terms of, you know, obviously we all go through training in our lives and lots of different things and, and seminars and such. One thing I always learned was this idea of when we walk into any room, there's really two types of people. There's energy givers and energy takers, and we know those we know those people when they walk in because those energy takers are the ones that's it's woe is me and the mood of the room just goes way down. And it's just the ones that are just because they take the energy from others and take them to themselves. Those people are hard to be around, right, is they don't give anything back to us. So the energy givers are the ones that walk into that room and all of a sudden it's they want people want to be around them because people feel better when they're around them. They feel like that they want to be associated with that person because of that energy in the room just got better. So I, I kind of what you're describing is something very similar. Obviously, from a from a women perspective, it's it's a little different, but I I, I kind of follow that too. Is you can notice people when they walk in, and all of a sudden that that if, especially if they know them, that mood of the room will change one way or the other, and that that says a lot. 
I agree. You know, I have an interesting story because after the children leave the home and people retire, a lot of people, they move and because they're empty nesters, whatever, and they have to make a choice of where to go if they're going to move away, mm-hmm. not just downsize, but say move to warm weather. Mm-hmm. So I had a friend about, well, she was at least 15 years older than, than, than I am. And she lived in Manhattan and she was had piercing blue eyes, white hair, even as a young girl. Mm-hmm. She owned a small newspaper and she wasn't a model, but you would notice her. And she went home and she said to her husband, Jerry, you know what? I've been walking down Madison Avenue lately and no one's noticing me. And I'm getting really down and I'm not happy about it. And I know it's that I'm invisible. I'm no longer young. So she said, so I've really been thinking about this. And I think we should move to Palm Springs, California. And he said, what? She said, yes, because everyone's older and I can make my mark. I can feel within myself visible again. Manhattan is not for me anymore. That's when I met her. And she totally reinvented herself. And she believed that every 10 years, a woman should reinvent themselves in some way. So what did she do? She started collecting beautiful beads and she started designing jewelry and it was beautiful. And she sold jewelry and she learned to play bridge. She learned to play mahjong. She learned to play canasta and she became the most visible woman in a room. And it's a wonderful story because she knew herself and she knew it was time in her life to make a choice. And she figured out what was good for her. And so to all the women out there, if you're sitting wondering what to do, you don't have to move to a new town. Maybe you join a new group. Maybe you go back to college and take a course. Whatever makes you happy, do a shift. You know who you are. You just have to make that shift. So I like to kind of tell a story because you usually remember something that Instead of, you know, I'm just like just writing, I think this or I think that or I did this. When you relate it to something that actually happened and it was so successful, then it makes you think. So make a list. I always say, take a sheet of paper, make a list, pros, cons, you know, what you like, what you wouldn't like and do some real soul searching. And then don't let fear stop you and go for it. That's great. Um, because I think a lot of women who get older, right, that that sense of beauty that other people perceive about us kind of goes away, right? And so trying to find ways to kind of reinvent yourself or become visible again becomes really important. And so you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I think digging into it a little more would be helpful. Um, so your advice to women who kind of are feeling this way, what do you tell them? How do they become visible again? Um, even if it's just from their own self-confidence perspective? Well, first of all, what Joyce did, she put herself in a community where she was on equal footing Mm -hmm. with all the other women. And that right away was very helpful. Um, It goes back to going inside your head and realizing that you have your own moxie. You have it. Mm -hmm. And by joining a group, I think that's very beneficial. Mm -hmm. Now we're all in a flux with our lifestyle. It's very difficult. I call the place we live now elsewhere because the whole world is elsewhere. I mean, none of us have ever been exposed to this uh, type of situation. So, you know, you can spend time with your family, take up a new career, you know, meet new people by joining a new group. You have to do it yourself. No one can do it for you. And ultimately, the fact is, is that every woman is going is not going to be as beautiful as she was when she was younger, mm. right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and positive, think positive. Mm-hmm. You know, there's positive psychology. It's a whole new field today. Mm-hmm. So, instead of dwelling on what you don't have, dwell on what you do have. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
Susan, I want to rotate a little bit here, and I actually want to give you a little plug. Um, So on your blog at honeygood.com, Susan, you had a guest contributor, and you you discussed the concept of your enchanted self and the importance of your value moments in life. Can you just take a minute and talk about that concept of your enchanted self and how does it help uh, women build their identity? Well, actually, what that was is I did a podcast with a positive psychologist. Her name is Barbara. Mm -hmm. And she opened up a whole new world to me. I was fascinated. I had just mentioned positive psychology. I had never heard of it before. So what she does with young women, and women are women no matter what our age, Mm -hmm. is that when she talks to them, she doesn't talk to them about what was bad in their life. She talks to them about what was good in their life. Like I explained to you, my enchanted self was realizing that growing up in Kekiki by the Sea really taught me things. I mean, it's wonderful to have empathy for others and compassion for others. And it's wonderful to have a tenacity and true grit. So that I lived in a negative surrounding, but out of it came positive results. Mm-hmm. And that's how you learned to welcome in your enchanted self. I like it. I like yeah. that. And I want to say to Susan, uh, we actually had a, a guest on a, a few episodes ago. Her name was Elisa Spain. And so she's a, she does uh, life coaching, but career, career coaching as well. She's actually based in Chicago. Okay. And so one of the things we really learned from her, so similar to your, the positive psychology piece was this concept of unreliable narrator. So the con the context here is when we say things about ourselves, a lot of things that we say about ourselves are sometimes things that uh, counteract or don't tell the real story. So for example, that maybe we're talking about our financial advisory practice and, you know, it's been doing great. We've been building it to, you know, we're at $300 million in assets, but you know, it's really a small practice. You know, a lot of other firms have been growing way more than we have. We get a good team, but it's not that big of a team. So we start saying things that might be positive and then we immediately counteract it with something that that is negative because we don't want to maybe seem too conceited or overconfident. So kind of what we say to others about our stories uh, immediately kind of counteract the, the positive things that we're doing. And that was a really kind of valuable thing that we we're saying, hey, you know, we all do that, too, is this is something where we say our life story or I'm really proud of this person or my wife or my husband or my my son or my daughter. We're proud of these things happening. But, you know, oh, well, you know, they're salutatory of their high school, but they only have 80 kids in their class. Well, why do we have to do that? Right. <laughs> what you know, why would we have to go and immediately kind of knock the accomplishment? Right. Absolutely. So so that's where I think we were kind of looking at that as is something where, wow, we do that all the time, too, is maybe maybe it's just the main thing or maybe there's just a lot of us kind of do that. But what I hear you going is from the positive psychology angle is very similar of we need to look at the positive things in our life and look at all the things that we're doing and not kind of bring in all the negativity. I think that's very important. And I think it's it's not bad to like yourself. Actually, it's very healthy to like yourself and be good to yourself. So many people, they're, I don't know, especially women, they feel guilty if they're good to themselves and nurture themselves and take time for themselves. And really, in a way, what you're saying is, it's really important to be authentic. People look up to you when you're authentic. Hmm. And when you're vulnerable, because Everybody is vulnerable sometimes. Mm -hmm. But when you can write and say, you know, I felt really scared or I was, I felt vulnerable. That's really being strong Mm -hmm. because you can say it. Mm -hmm. But uh, quite honestly, what you said about your company, and I'm not giving you a plug. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying I would rather go to a small company because that's what you said, your company. I would rather because I would feel that I was really important mm-hmm. and that I wasn't a number. It, and I think that's where we go is, hey, we're proud of what we've built, but also we're proud of the size we are, right? Is Because there's, there's a mouse for every house, right? Is in some cases, somebody wants to be with a, a gigantic institution and for whatever reason, that's that's something that they want to be, right? Is there maybe there's more strength there or whatever the deeper depth 
depth or whatever the, the thing might be, but we have built this and this is how we work with our clients and we want clients to be as passionate about us as that we are about them. And that's, that's, I think the marriage and you go when, when people are now, you know, we're saying, Hey, we're, we're attracting clients that we want to work with every day, not clients who we go, well, as hopefully anybody chooses me because hopefully we can get any business in the door. And that's not what we're putting out. Right. And even with these shows here that we're doing, it's all about, well, what is it like to work with Ben and Abby and Curtis and the guidance point team here? And, and again, well, uh, here's our interactions and we care so much about you as our clients we want to have these conversations because these are the problems that we all uh, deal with and, and having experts like yourself on Susan is, is one way that we can express that to people. So I think this is a really great segue into another great question here is you have really developed something in terms of community is that you have a Facebook group. It's called grand women with Moxie <laughs> where loneliness disappears. We love Moxie because of the, the main kind of connection to Moxie <laughs> soda, but you have over 1200 members and that is growing every day, which by the way, to get 1200 people to agree on anything in this day and age <laughs> is amazing. So can you talk a little bit about why these sorts of groups are so important for women, especially? Well, what I enjoy so much on Honey Good is when people, um, comment to me I I love to reply and I I don't reply like this you know I really reply and I like that interaction and so I was thinking about this and and my groups I was written up in uh, the New York Times it's probably three years ago now mm -hmm. and it's because I had uh, a multi-generational group and the women were between the ages of 22 and 95 and no one knew anyone except me. So, and the New York Times wanted me to do this because they knew I loved groups. I just think to start back a minute, I believe women need women, very much so. So at the end of two hours, they didn't want to stop talking. And I, I felt so wonderful when, when everyone left because of the interaction. And I... I said to myself, I've always been a, a gatherer. Mm -hmm. I've always collected. No, I collect seashells. I collect turtles because I learned when I was in China that turtles, it's a folklore, it's long life. Mm -hmm. I just love collecting. And I love, you know, and so my group is like, they're in my parlor. <laughs> and they're, and... I've collected them and they just mean a lot to me and I want to hear their stories. It's not about me. It's about them. It's about the group. So I realized, I didn't realize, I just sensed that women are really lonely. Uh, not all women, but after a, when their children leave home or they retire and they don't see their, their friends that they worked with for years or they lose their spouse. And so I thought, I want to give back and I, I want to have this group. And so we can just share joys and share stories and just have a good time together. And it's working. We have 1,400. I know, I know if I opened it up and made it public, it would really grow. Mm -hmm. But I want to keep it private. Mm -hmm. And I, I will keep it private. Like your business, mm -hmm. you have your niche. Mm -hmm. I want to mm -hmm. keep my niche. Yeah. But I may more or less change things on Honey Good and not my writing, but maybe have a multi-generational group like in my parlor. <laughs> and you young people teach me about the internet <laughs> and I'll teach you about life. Yeah. It's a good trade-off. <laughs> great. Yeah. And, and Susan, I want to make a point here too. And one thing that I think as you're assembling this people, these people in your parlor is, you know, we, we've kind of said this a little bit, but, you know, by kind of saying, here's my vulnerabilities, but, and here's the, the optimism to that, but you're also saying, Hey, I want to tell you that I'm worthy, right? That I have a, a worthy voice, but you're also saying, but you do too. Very right? And, and I, I love that because when you say, Hey, I got, I got 1400 people in a, in a Facebook group and you want to keep it private because you want to say, Hey, this is a safe place. 
and that we are all are, are believing in this concept together that we're we're all worthy and that we can all share. So you and by proxy have been a really great leader here to all these people to say, I'm putting myself out there to start. And I, I maybe I started this a little bit here, but you know, giving them that confidence, giving them that feeling of self-worth, what a great gift that you've given there. So I want to just kind of put that plug in because I, I, I don't think probably everybody maybe think of thinks of it that way, but I, I just from seeing it from the outside and for people that maybe don't have that that self uh, vote of confidence, it's a it's a huge gift. Thank you. So just kind of shifting back to something that we t- touched on a little bit earlier. So beauty isn't really something that we've chatted much about on the show before. So can you help talk about the importance of women feeling beautiful and kind of redefining their style over the age of 50, right? 50 is now the new 40. And we keep saying that and style keeps evolving and people are acting and staying younger much later in life. So how have you seen that? How have you seen women's style change into their 50s? Well, all of my friends or most of my friends, they are, they are like 40. They, they work out, they take care of themselves, they wear the latest trends. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't believe in fashion, I believe in style. Mm -hmm. I don't buy real trendy things unless I think it's going to stick. They are very concerned about the latest hairstyles, Mm -hmm. latest makeup. They're very hip. And they are very involved in everything. So this sounds trite, but this is what I believe. Mm -hmm. I believe age is just a number. Mm -hmm. If you can be old at 30 and young at 80, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's all up here, right? Mm -hmm. In your head. So women are very, very hip today. Mm -hmm. Very hip. And age really is just a number. Mm You know, they put extensions in their hair. They do the nail bit. They travel solo. Mm -hmm. They live with men unmarried. Mm -hmm. You know, they do their own thing. And I'm not going to say every woman, but I'm saying every woman can and should. They feel their own power. In our experience, there's sometimes where maybe there's somebody that's looking to evolve or adapt over time and that people, that friends and family members are more apt to maybe not react well to change. Uh, I Is that, so okay. you're, so they're, they're not reacting well to change and they're saying, you know, Susan, you know, your clothes are just a little too much, right? Or they're oh. going to comment negatively on somebody trying to find their voice, trying to find their worth, trying to find more of themselves. And what we're trying to say is for people that are are around somebody that's going through their own change or their more identity is what can we say to them that helps them be constructive and positive with the women in their lives? Well, I think they should really respect them. Mm-hmm. Mm. And if, if the woman maybe is more, wants to try new things and the spouse or partner doesn't, women are very willful. Women are very smart. A smart woman will know mm. how to lead her significant other to at least try something or to expect, you know, accept and live with what she wants to do for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, give give her a chance. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think that's part of it is, look, uh, we, I, I think there's a fear, you know, as we all try to go through our own change or we all try to evolve a little bit here of, hey, if I've done my makeup the same way for 30 years and all of a sudden I try my makeup something maybe a little bit differently, then that might be something that I get criticism for or I get, well, what are you trying to do, be 22 years old again? Like, what are you, so that's, I think, where we're trying to go is there's fears of, I think, any of us, but where we're trying to say, I'm trying to make sure I continue to feel beautiful. I continue to feel this way. And I want to make sure that the people around me are supportive in that realm as well. Well, I think that, that, that these women should, they should hold firm. I'm thinking about myself Mm -hmm. and I have to, if I want to be happy, I have to be happy with myself. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So if it's a husband, you're not going to delete him <laughs> out of your life. <laughs> if it's other people, other women, 
may I think I would look I would look onward mm-hmm. and maybe bring new women into my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or a new set of women, a new set of friends into my life. Because here's where I am now. I'm not ready to just wilt. I'm I want to bloom. Mm-hmm. So I think I I would do that. I I would because I don't want somebody to bring me down. That's right. Right. And if yeah. I can't bring them up, then maybe I have to find new avenues yeah. of people that think the way I think to try something. You know, it's not a death sentence. It's wonderful to try. Yeah. Exactly. If it's a spouse or a significant other, I would just say, you know, you may disagree with me. You may not like this, but I'm really happy right now the mm-hmm. way I am. And just be supportive of me for a while. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I won't, my lipstick won't be as red or whatever it might be, or we mm-hmm. won't travel as much or whatever. I'm not stubborn at all, but I had, I was chosen one of Chicago's 50 fierce women. That's awesome. And I had to write why I'm fierce. So I was having lunch with friends that day. It was a summer day. And I said, I have to write about why I'm fierce. I'm not fierce. I said, I looked it up in the dictionary. It's not me at all. Are any of you fierce? There were three of them. Well, we're not fierce. That's an awful word. Okay. And everybody was in their 60s. So I walked home. It was a, it was a Friday. I had to have this in by Monday, Saturday and Sunday. My husband said, what is wrong with you? I said, I can't write why I'm fierce. I have to turn this in. It's going to be in a magazine. I'm anything but fierce. And then all of a sudden it hit me. And in 10 minutes, I wrote a poem. And it's one of the best things I ever wrote. You can find it on my website. And I went to myself, I am fierce. I'm fierce because I love deeply. I'm fierce because I have great values. I'm fierce because I put my family first. Mm -hmm. And I, so I think that any woman, every woman is fierce. Every man is fierce. You're not like that kind of fierce. (laughs) You're fierce. Mm -hmm. So I know we've been talking about this a long time, but I kind of get what you're meaning now. I would, I would stay true to who, who I was trying, who I felt happy within myself with. I would Mm -hmm. do that. And then if my husband really was unhappy, I'd try and find a happy medium, mm-hmm. yeah, but I, I wouldn't like it. give it all up. So just a question about kind of your, your history and you as a person. So part of your story was getting remarried, right? After losing your husband tragically. And so from your experience, what, what advice do you have for adult kids or grandkids who see their parent or grandparents starting to date again, right? So, you know, could be a rocky transition, possibly. What have you seen? And how can you what advice would you give to people going through that? Well, can I turn it around? Of course. Hmm, Yeah, I think because this is what I learned. Yeah, usually, when parents are divorced or widowed, Mm -hmm. well, especially widowed, the children are probably in their late teens, or they're in their 20s. And parents think of their, they no longer think of their children as little children. Yeah. And they look at their children and they think, and then they fall in love. Okay. And they see things from their side. Why aren't my children happy? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's really the other way around. Because I have learned that when a a boy or a girl, a daughter or a son loses a parent, Mm -hmm. they are children. Yeah. And they see their mom holding another man's hand yeah and they see their mom really happy yeah it's really it tugs at their heart it is so hard so it's like they're seven years old you see yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely so I don't think adults see that even though women are really loving creatures very Mm -hmm. maternal I don't think that a lot of them really see that understand that yeah but once they do I think the children will act better and the parents will understand better and it'll be an easier ride. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I, I think that's a really important point, Susan, because again, our show is really around empowering visibility, right? Is, is in women, but not doing it in a way that really is ignoring the environment, right? It's not, it's not ignoring the kids and not ignoring spouses. It's really about, 
you know, flourishing within it. And I think that's a really important point you just made there, mm -hmm. because, you know, if we just kind of go, well, I found love and I, this is who I am. Everyone should just accept me. You know, that's, that's not at all what you just said, right? Is this is something where, Hey, looking at from the kid's perspective, they're that young age again, they're looking at mom and mom still is that young age in their eyes. And, and how do we make that work together? And I think that was a really important point you made. Yeah. Thank you. So, Susan, we have reached uh, the final question of, of this podcast episode. We always love to ask or to wrap up with a question about retirement success. You know, naturally, the name of the show is Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Yeah. So I want to ask you how you think retirement, retirement success for women is going to evolve sort of from this point and then looking into your crystal ball into the future. How will that happen? And how do you define that? I think women handle aging far better than men mm -hmm. because I'm in the scene and I see it. Mm -hmm. You know, men retire and they become loners. Mm -hmm. Women retire and even if they're alone, most women are never alone mm -hmm. because they're gatherers. Mm -hmm. So they either gather their family around them. They gather other women around them. They gather clubs and join clubs. They're movers and shakers mm -hmm. because they're gatherers. Where the man, he now, he doesn't have his career, you know, he, he's lost. Even if he plays a little cards or plays a little golf or goes whatever. So I think as time goes on, women will even get better yeah. and stronger and much more independent mm. and really believe in themselves and go after what they want. And I think men, they really need a woman in their life mm -hmm. because men that don't are really lonely. Mm -hmm. I see it. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to. So you you have to learn. <laughs> no, you're That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's all positive. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I like that. And Susan, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll applaud you as well, because I, I think it's so amazing this, to see you and hear your voice and to see, again, all, all, your journey in your life is just so inspirational from a, from a multi-generational perspective of, you know, what, what you've accomplished, what you continue to accomplish and how you continue to look forward, how you continue to, you know, again, just, you're always relevant, right? Because you're you, which is, I think what's the, the best thing about it is just being authentic is something that is just kind of one of the best things uh, coming out of this episode today. So we really can't thank you enough for coming on and, and sharing your wisdom, sharing advice. Um, it really has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I enjoyed meeting all of you and talking to all of you. Thanks, Susan. Take care. You too. So empowering visibility in women, uh, 50 plus. Uh, so again, good to have Susan Honeygood on uh, the show today. And one thing I know we didn't actually talk about was her maiden name was Honey and actually uh, her uh, remarriage was good. So it was, uh, so again, kind of a natural name. It sounds like almost so good of a name, almost a stage name there. <laughs> but yeah, so Susan Honeygood. And again, we always like to end our episode with a little bit of highlights that we took away from the show. And again, we're, we're this is a topic i think it's just it's it's a newer topic here that i, I we've kind of seen and, mm -hmm. and one that we wanted to make sure that we we're kind of emphasizing for our podcast here but uh let's start with abby and uh, abby would maybe mind share some of your lessons that you learned from uh, susan today yeah um so i really liked how susan talked about how everyone has their own internal power and how people have more power than they realize um, and oftentimes, um, you know, we can be the last ones to see that and finding our voice is really important. Um, so I really liked how she, she chatted about that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add to it is because again, the, the lesson I was going to take away was that conversation about your enchanted self. So mm -hmm. I know she kind of used the word fierce there and, and kind of uh, that kind of figuring out kind of how we are all fierce, but that mm -hmm. enchanted self part that she talked about too, of your value and your worth. And I know that's a lot of the issue we have as we age is is going you know am i worthy am i worthy of love am i worthy of being even taken care of at some point in my life and i think that's something we all struggle with and and especially in in during different times and maybe it's in a pandemic or economic crisis or 
whatever a- area or age we live in, all those things are, are very natural feelings. And, and that's where I, I, what I wanted to bring up uh, what uh, Lisa Spain said about having an unreliable narrator and some things, yeah. sometimes we say things um, and sometimes it's, it's the percolation of our thoughts of, Hey, I am really good at this, but then I couple that with, I'm really bad at that. You know, I, mm-hmm. I feel like I got to yeah. negate out the positive stuff with the negatives. And I, I think that really can kind of uh, negate some of that worth uh, discussion and, and your worth in other people's eyes. So, again, that's just I, I kind of tandem those two lessons <laughs> together, Abby, but, but yeah. between us there. So, Curtis, what was something that you took away from the show today? You know, I think a big piece that we talked about was this concept of identity loss, you know, and whether, you know, man or woman, you know, you go through these phases of your life, you retire as you age, you know, your your life changes and the life around you changes. And, you know, I think people can struggle with that and finding their identity. And, you know, Susan did a really good job kind of talking about that from a woman's perspective and, and gave a lot of good tips on how women can, I don't know, fight that's the right word, but do a, a you know, find their new identities or, or just, it may not be a new identity, just find their identity that they may have lost. So I, I thought she did a really good job with that. And I enjoyed hearing her tips. Yeah. And, and, and again, I, you can see where, again, with all of us that we've gone through it, but also from her end of, she's had lots of change and lots of things in her life and had to continue to adapt and to evolve and uh, reemphasize her identity. So I thought those were really good things to kind of take away today. Thank you guys for sharing your, your yeah. highlighted lessons there. So of course, with all of our shows, we have a, a website, which you can kind of go to and find a little bit more information about uh, Susan and her website, again, honeygood.com. So we'll put uh, that link there and link to several articles that we're referencing here today. So you can find us there, uh, find a transcript and listen to it or or the YouTube link to watch us if you want to actually see the video with with Susan here. So appreciate everybody tuning in. Always can't thank you enough for, for your listenership and looking forward to seeing you next time. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just listened to an information-filled episode of the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. While this show is about finding more ways to improve your retirement happiness, Guidance Point Advisors' mission is to help our clients create a fulfilling retirement. We do financial planning so that people can enjoy retirement and align their monetary resources to their goals. If you're wondering about your own personal success, we invite you to reach out to us to schedule a 45-minute listening session. Our advisors will have a conversation with you about your goals, your frustrations, and your problems. Make sure you check out Guidance Point Advisors on our blog, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can always check out more episodes of this podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And of course, keep on finding your retirement success.